Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? This is Brother Ali in the mix with Tim Einekel on The Library. Rapstation.com. Keep it right here. Calling my next guest a one-dimensional artist would not just be an insult, but furthest from the truth. J-Love does it all. He's a DJ, a producer, a writer, a promoter, a, a label, an MC, and a whole lot more. His seventh album, His Own Self, drops March 31st of, 1st of this year. J-Live, welcome to the library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Be still. As I travel 360 looking down on older stories Flights and stairs laughing at what used to be my cares So reflective, I provide the food for thought and a perspective Like that movie Ratatouille, you live vicariously through me But so many woulda, coulda, shoulda, what ifs Squandered opportunities and gifts Missed chances to lift off and uplift It makes you kinda wonder about what shoulda been Wait, that's that false sense of entitlement His Own Self been? is your seventh like album like, uh, What's what, what, what was your mission going into this album and then kind of what did the mission become when it was completed I'd say the mission going into the record was just to uh, just kind of flex the triple threat muscles as, as a producer DJ and MC and then by the uh, by the end of it it just seemed like a, a pretty cool eclectic look into just where I'm at mentally you know like introspective wise topic wise I feel like it's a good uh, a good mix of where my mind is at right now. From something like I am a man dealing with police brutality to oldish, just talking about you know not necessarily being all caught up in, in uh, you know the the swag game, so to speak. To uh, you know get it together, just talking about relationships. So I mean, it kind of runs the gambit. You know what I mean? Um, songs like. Uh, I just don't, which which kind of just focus on ideas about self-confidence and not necessarily seeking the approval of others. So, I mean, all the songs kind of look inward as far as just who, who I am and who I'm, who I'm growing to be and getting comfortable in my own skin, you know? Right, right. And I, and, 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 and I, w- I definitely want to get into some of those tracks uh, further into the interview, but I kind of want to get more into the... Uh, process of creating the album as a whole um um, so obviously you're known to like you said triple threat right you you seem to do everything for this and especially for this album you wrote you produced you mixed you engineered etc um for you what was the experience like 
doing all that for this album. Uh, was it good to kind of have that more freedom or was it weird that, I guess in the sense that you don't have that producer where you could kind of bounce ideas off of, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's all freedom. And uh, that's a good point as far as not necessarily sharing the process with other with other cats, be they producers, engineers, or other MCs. Because that is a, a cool part of it, you know, in, in, in terms of doing albums the way I normally do them with various producers, a couple of guest appearances, and various engineers in different studios. But this was kind of like locking yourself in a room and just focusing on your own art um, mm. and every different possible skill set that I've acquired. You know, I've been writing since I was 12. I've been making beats since 2000. I've been DJing uh, since I was about 14 on, on two dinner tables. So, you know, just, just to bring it all together and then take everything I learned from the engineers growing up and, and not necessarily seek outside consultation, but just go at it and mix from start to finish on my own, uh, to take the process and the mastering on my own. I mean, a lot of that stuff, it's, it's uh, from my standpoint, you know, being on, on a pro level that I'm on, it's, it's, it, it took a little bit of courage to not necessarily stress over, okay, well, you know, what would so-and-so do? What would such a person mm. think of this? So how, how does it sound? You know what I mean? So that's, you know, as far as the creative process, that was the biggest challenge was kind of embodying that song I just don't and just going ahead and doing it my own way. And I, and I, and I think another challenge that you you took on for this album is that you actually don't have any features on this album. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it's you, like, having to spit, like, you know, three minutes or five minutes worth of, you know, material uh, was that for you? Was that done on purpose? Uh, and do you think you're something you would want to do more in the future? I don't know if it's so much dominating the time on the mic was the challenge, as much as, you know, when you take off that artist hat and put on that marketing hat, a lot of times, you know, when, you, when you're putting together a sheet for a record, you know, one of the selling points, be they for the distributor or for the or for retail or for the, for the stores, is who else is involved in it? You know what mm. I mean? Like the last album, you know, featured you know Odyssey and and, and uh, Homeboy Sandman, and you know it's just like there's there's you know fans look forward to those kind of collaborations as much as they do the artists just putting out the real record. So sometimes it's cool to just say, all right, look, you know what? Uh, appreciate the fact that this is a J Live record on its face, and you're not necessarily going to have all of those quote-unquote selling points into it, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just take it for what it is. So it's like, all right, if you guys can appreciate that, then, you know, as an artist, that means a lot to me that, yeah, I can collaborate with, with like-minded artists that I love, like, you know, Amir and, and, and Angel, but at the same time, it's not, that's not the reason why y'all gravitating towards the music. That's just the fact that you love them with their music as much as you love mine. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, and, 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 and I want to, um, I want to get into the album, uh, we're speaking with J-Live, uh, new album is his own self. Uh, we, I want to get to a couple of tracks, uh, on the record, uh, Mike Singletary, uh, you spit, uh -huh. you start out, you spit 20 years strong and I never crossed over. Um, uh -huh. you obviously have this skill level that, you know, that you could you could spit with the best of the best, right? Um, so the, I guess the question is, why haven't you crossed over? Well, you know what? I don't know. We could approach that two different ways. I mean, I was quoting 
PMD when I said from the U.S. to the White Cliffs of Dover. Right. And the name of the song that they said that was Crossover. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I've been around the world with this, and I haven't compromised my sound. That's what I meant when I said never crossed over. Right. But then you could you could interpret that to mean, okay, your sound hasn't, your, your music hasn't necessarily crossed over in the mainstream, be it like not your your approach to music, but your, you know, the, you haven't, you haven't, past that threshold of that tipping point to where you're like a pop household name or something like that. You've never crossed over into that from underground to overground, so to speak. Nice. So I was, I was saying more in terms of I've never really compromised or changed my sound. Cause you have sometimes where artists, sometimes artists like to experiment and do different things. And I definitely do that. But as far as, you know, um, contradicting the ethic of what you do you know like for me it's very important you know I, I was raised in what people call the golden era as far as you know you don't bite you don't get a ghost rider you uh uh you know you copy samples you you, don't, you try to push the envelope style wise you don't just sound the same every time not monotone you're not dumbing down your vocabulary or your or your or your or your message. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I haven't crossed over in those ways. As far as you know, commercial success, it's all relative to me. I mean, it, it depends on how much money is put into a marketing budget in terms of how you grade, how well a record does. So if there's really, if, if you're talking about a grassroots movement that doesn't have a lot invested into it, I'd say I've done very well for myself. If you're talking about how much you gotten the two investing in music and that's a different story. You know what I mean? My index of judo chop that was clocked at BPM instead of MPHs. The HOF need my size and likeness. Jacket in the bus for the Hall of Fame. But see, even with a different name, I impact the game. We go out, we hear people in the mall. We go out, we hear people in the mall. We go out, we hear people in the mall. When did you know that, I mean, you say 20 years strong, right? When did you know that uh, this could be a kind of a career for you? Um, like, I mean, I, did, did it start off, like, off point blank being like, I'm going to do this as my career? Or was it more of like, let's see what I could do, and if people gravitate to me, then they'll gravitate to me. But if they don't, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll focus on being a DJ or focus on being, you know, a marketing expert or something like that. Well, I mean, I've been around since I was 12, and my first single didn't drop until I was 19, you know what I mean? So I had, you know, seven years of rhyme books where I was watching and, and, and you know, grinning myself on the growth and going from one book to the next, not wanting to kick the old book's rhymes because the new rhymes were better. So I really was able to own my skills as an MC before I even had the opportunity to put out a single. And when I was 19 and we put out Bragging Rights and Longevity, uh, you know, we were thinking that we would sell maybe 3,000, you know, 12 inches and, and we'd get a deal off of that. And we didn't get a deal, but we ended up selling like 13,000, 12 inches. So in 95, independently, I was, that was pretty, that was saying something, you know, you're, yeah. you're charting in college radio next to Nas. So I was like, wow. All right. And then, so when we finally got the deal with Payday, you know, leading up to that point in 98, it was like, all right, I'm touring, I'm doing conventions, I'm doing shows, I'm getting a great response to my music. Uh, and then my peers are starting to acknowledge that they like what I'm doing. And that's that's kind of, you know, that's when you get the idea that you can do it professionally. Like, when I went to SUNY Albany, 
I was prepared to put out my first record on a major label my senior year, and I had just an independent study left because I took summer classes so that I could tour. And when it didn't happen, and I got my degree that, that spring, I was able to fall back on it and, and teach. Mm-hmm. But by then, I'd known that, all right, you know, I'm not... I'm not a teacher trying to rhyme. I'm an MC who's teaching for a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? The MC was the forefront and teaching kind of was like a secondary thing for you. Yeah. I mean, I try to teach through my music, but as far as like being a professional pedagogue, um, that was something to do in between records at the time. I, I want to continue with the track on Mike Singletary. You, you, you also spit the stations don't play it. They're playing with our patients. Um, is that still a goal for you to get radio play or has it gotten to a point that uh, just for you as an artist that station play isn't as important? Not at all. That was just a subtle jab at the nature of and the and the the, the um, landscape of radio, terrestrial radio in general. Um, I mean, there's plenty of satellite radio stations that play real hip-hop. There's plenty of internet radio stations that play real hip-hop and there's tons of college radio that plays it. So as far as like the charts and the and the you know the billboards and the you know the high ninety sevens and the power one hundred fives of the world or, or you know the clear channels all of that, it's not so much you know why won't you accept us or why don't you show the full spectrum of hip hop as much as we ain't really checking for y'all no more. We mm-hmm. lost patience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like there's so many different ways to get this music to the people but you don't have to focus on that and stress that, you know, if they, you know, for the ones that do show love, that's great. And you don't want to necessarily alienate them. You appreciate that love, but you know that that's not their mandate and that's not their job. So you don't really, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to chase after that now. Very true. I want, I want to move on to uh, the, another track, uh, pay it forward. Uh, the video for pay it forward takes place in uh, Venice beach, California. I know, I know you're someone being a New York cat, but then also now living in Atlanta. Uh, so what significance does Venice Beach hold for you? It was just a really cool setting. I was in L.A. at the time and arranged the trip. And uh, the director that I've, uh, we've been talking about doing a video together for a while. So we we found it for that song. And it was really cool. Like the, my, first, my first impression was, I, you know, I'm out here hanging out at the same basketball courts where they shot uh, White Man King and Jump, which is pretty cool. It was a dope movie. Um, and then just, you know, just being in L.A., the, the thing I love about just L.A. in general, not just Venice Beach, but all the beaches, is just, you know, getting that chance to feel the Pacific as it's a little bit different from the Atlantic and, and just the, the whole vibe of that. So, um, you know, I think partly because of that, you know, the, the, funk, the funky nature of that beat, and just the laid back message, it just kind of really, really uh, synced up as far as you know getting that kind of footage with the graph writers and you know, um, you know just, just just the whole scene down there with everybody just chilling, you know. When you pay your forward, we'll see what's meant to be. Ah, yeah. Stay classy, San Diego. Pass the OJ. I put the cream cheese on your bagel. The glass half empty just mean it's room for more. So if the cupboard is bare, we go into the store. You know I'm God body like I know you got soul. So do you see the donut or do you see the hole? If we don't know the half, then they give a no quarter. I think paid forward also really seems to kind of define how, how you've maintained a career, career longevity. Um... When and why did you decide that actually paying it forward was the way for you to go as an artist? Well, how did you mean paying it forward? Uh, it's—I mean, for me, it seems like it was like you 
you do favors or not favors, but you don't. You, you're just not like a. You're just not an a hole to people. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, you know, because because you ultimately realize, like, well, I'm not gonna, I I don't, I'm meeting person A, right? I don't know them from Adam, but I'm, I'm not gonna be an a hole to them because who knows? They might be able to come back. It, it might not be right away, but maybe five years later they'll come back in my career. And well, yeah, it's it's not so much the line at the mouse, kind of like you know, do something for somebody so they can do something for you. I mean, that's that's pay it back, but pay it forward is is more like people have done things for you. So do things for other people, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like, as far as not being an a-hole, that's more about just, you know, respecting yourself enough to respect others and show others that respect the same that you would demand for yourself. Um, and, uh, I mean, as far as the message of the song, it's just partly about staying grounded, uh, staying humble, staying um, wise in your decisions, be it, you know, financial or what have you. And just you know, how 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 pro things in general, you know, like songs like that, they are more thematic than topical. Like the the, the verses kind of go from topic to topic, mm-hmm. but the overall theme is just kind of like mind your own business. Not in the sense that you're not dealing with other people's stuff, but like make sure you're taking care of business, regardless of what else is going on. Like if you're holding down a nine to five, you're working for somebody else. That's great. But make sure that you have your own thing that you're that you're that you're attending to as well. Uh, pay yourself first as far as make sure that you're you know saving up your money and not just you know living hand to hand and mouth to you know hand to mouth and so to speak. So like little principles like that, you know whether it was reading up on uh, like rich dad poor dad or or mm-hmm. you can grow rich things of that nature. Just um you know I think those kind of those kind of principles conveyed through in the song, but it's it's really you know as far as me not being an a hole. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, you know, when you see, you know, some of the more successful cats out there who who happen to be just jerks, and you know, you don't know if maybe that's their drive shining through or just the nature of the business that that's how you know squeaky wheel gets the oil or what have you. But yeah. uh, you know, this is the approach that I've taken, and I'm comfortable with it. I want to talk about another track I think that also uh, talks about financial stability but also like you know not living uh, hand to mouth uh, is uh, Oach uh, where you spit uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah I was trying I, uh, where you spit you go uh, you can go ahead and call even call me cheap but it's ain't about how much you make it's about how much you keep so really it's a kind of a financial guide about stability um, but because you, you never know what's gonna the future is gonna hold uh, so why talk about how you still are able to rock 95 Air Max that you purchased back in 1995? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really just more about, you know, just, just uh, you know, being playfully honest about things. You know what I mean? I mean, you got the nature of hip-hop. It's still, there's still so much of a materialistic element to where everybody's all about, you know, what they have, you know, what kind of car they drive and what kind of clothes they wear. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but as you grow older, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not rapping like a 19-year-old kid right now. I'm rapping like, you know, a late 30s going on 40-year-old man. And, you know, one of the messages that I have to convey to impart to, you know, the youth and the elders alike is, you know, you can still look good and, and, and style on them without, you know, blowing your check every week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the, the moral of the story was like, all right, look. You know, if you take care of what you got, you know, if you stay sharp, 
it ain't really all about um, you know, copping something new every week just to kind of keep up with the Joneses. It's kind of like I think what, what Drake says still, you know, still brushing his jays with a toothbrush. It's like, all right, he might he might have enough to to cop a new pair of Jordans every day, but he's still, you know, he's still he's still keep taking care of what he got. Right. <laughs> it's not about it's not about being wasteful and frivolous with your stuff. You know what I mean? So right. that's that's really what the song is about. It's like, all right, look, you know, don't think when we just out here spending and also just the nature of the black community it's like you know let the dollar circulate and part of the way you let the dollar circulate is, is you know you don't just you don't just spend all the time on things that you don't necessarily need you gotta, you gotta be a little wiser with it and you can still have fun with it you know so that's what's going on just trying to have fun with that idea there's a there's two metaphors that I want to ask you about uh, in this track uh, one that you're you're, you're you're obviously about, but other that I have a, uh, it's my theory about the track. Uh, the first one is okay. is your sports metaphor on the, at the beginning of the track, which I died, oh, yeah, which yeah, I died, yeah. I died laughing, in a good way. <laughs> I mean, when you say I coach my clothes, I think it's brilliant. But um, you know, you use this sports metaphor of how you handle your clothes. Um, for you, what if any lessons have you taken or still take from actual? from your love of sports or from playing sports that you're able to use in your art? Um, well, that's one of them. Just the idea that, all right, you want a balanced roster, you want, you know, you want that youthful exuberance and athleticism and energy, um, but you also need veteran leadership. You know what I mean? So you need a combination mm. of the two. Like, take the Knicks, for example. Okay. You know, two, years, two seasons <laughs> ago when they won 54 games, Part of it was because they had, like, you know, Jason Kidd as, like, the floor general and Kenyon Martin as the grit and, you know, Marcus Canby spotting minutes and, and all of these old cats like Kurt Thomas coming in clutch moments and, and doing things. And then fast forward the next year when they only won 30-some-odd games just because, you know, they got so much flack about how old the roster was that they let go of all those old players and there was no leadership. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So... So that's part of what I meant. Like, I, right, you know, if I got if I got something that's fly and timeless, I'm gonna keep rocking it as long as it's not threadbare, as long as it's not, you know, on the last stitch. Mm. And so, like, well, you know, but the the metaphor was <clears throat> I might go cop a new pair or something every every now and then, but I'm not gonna have a whole roster full of rookies. Right, I'm not right. gonna have a whole closet full of new stuff. I'm gonna come. To, <laughs> I like my stuff for a reason. I got it for a reason. Right. So, that's all. Uh, and then, and then, for me, listening to uh, Oach, um, I couldn't help but think that it was also, and I could totally, obviously, be wrong about this, but it, I, I also thought it was like a metaphor for the importance of respecting the older generation of hip hop artists. Um, uh, am I accurate on this metaphor? If not, or not if so. really, okay. not really. I think maybe to the degree that the beat reminds me of some old, like Brand Newbie and the Grand Fuba, mm-hmm. and the, the whole concept being that kind of topical has a sort of throwback appeal to it. As far as like you know, having a verse where you stay on one topic and drive the point home. You know what I mean? Right. But no, I wasn't really. I wasn't really trying to say. You know, old rappers do it better or anything like that. It was more just trying to have fun with the idea. See that this is where I I take the uh, John McLaughlin uh, buzzer and go wrong. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but it's cool though. I mean, the beauty of it, the beauty of it is, you know, artist subjects and interpretation. So you're not wrong at all. I mean, like, 
you know, 10, 15 years from now, if, if people are studying the song in the classroom and somebody draws that point and thinks that that's what, that's what was behind it, then I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, Tell be like, hell no. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to appreciate their interpretation. Cool. True. True. Uh, I, I want to continue on. I want to move on to another track. Um, I just don't. I, I think it lays out. Uh-huh. It lays out, and you have it. You you mentioned this in the beginning, but it lays out kind of how you really don't give two bleeps about kind of what other things of you. Um, when did you? When did this way of thinking come to you in your career and in life? And has this always been the case? And what happened that made you say, "Why the heck should I care about this?" What this dude thinks? No, I think it's part of my growth and part of what led up to this record was, you know, I have a lot, lot of. You know, a lot of a lot of friends whose opinions I respect, and you know we all do. And sometimes people's opinions on what you should do and where you can take things in the direction you should go, or how things are going as you see them, sometimes those things conflict with your inner passion and your inner drive and what you really feel compelled to do. And in those instances, it's important to know that you know while you can appreciate their opinions and their criticism. You can't live for them. You gotta live for yourself. You gotta do what drives you. You gotta do what you're passionate about. And, and even if it might be considered taking a risk or going against the grain or, or you know, the the harder path, the road less traveled, so to speak, don't be discouraged and don't let that mess with the confidence of what you know you can do. You know, don't let anybody tell you know, talk you out of what you really, really feel strongly about and kind of just in the name of, you know, what's safe or what's right or what's, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you know in your heart is for you, don't let anybody tell, you know, tell you different. And I think the, the cool thing about that song is regardless of the message, that becomes the message because of the delivery. Like, I'm singing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not... You know, I'm not a, I'm not a singer, so to speak. I'm a rapper, but you know, if I want to if I want to go ahead and sing through a whole song and not even necessarily try to deviate with the structure of the song as a singer, but just really just play with it, you know, and not take myself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, that in and of itself is a risk because it's such a deviation from what I I normally do. But at the end of the day, it's like no, this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna have fun with it. If you don't like it, then you know. You keep telling me how I should live my life, but those are your opinions. I want to go into a, 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 a little more a serious, serious track, which I which would obviously be considered if you know, I mean, would probably be labeled the politically conscious or you know the socially conscious track on the album. Uh-huh. Uh, I am man. Uh, uh-huh. It's your open letter about abusive, you know, police brutality as well as those who support them. And so, for you, when did this? When did the idea of this track come to you? And was it hard, a hard track to write emotionally, uh, because the subject matter is actual life and death? And what do you hope uh, listeners will gain from this track? Um, I wrote it around September October when a lot of the things uh, regarding Mike Brown and Arizona were coming to a head. Uh, when it seemed like America was in the midst of its own Arab Spring, so to speak, as far as, you know, people's overall, uh, 
lack of tolerance and frustration with all the with this this just kind of rash of police brutality and lack of accountability police brutality but when things are documented and it's right there for everybody to see and there's still no indictments no convictions no remorse then it just it becomes so blatant for the whole world to see what's going on you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it's like it was important for me writing the song I didn't want to focus on any one particular case as much as allude to those cases without naming names because it's always somebody and it's like all right right now we're we're, we're we're focused on Trayvon Martin okay right now we're focused on Mike Brown okay right now we're focused on Eric Garner okay but back then we were focused on Adam Louie you know what I mean so it's yeah. always somebody and it's like I wanted to try to keep the song as timeless as the topic so that when things happen in the future you can still go back to that song and it doesn't necessarily become you know the Ferguson song or the Florida song or the LA song or the New York song but so much you know the national song for, for look, look this, this is this is what we need this is what we're, we're after this is what's unacceptable this is what must stop and you know it's from a case to case basis there's that undertone and that underlying recurring problem that look man you cannot you know just because there's a inherent fear of black people because of the way we're perceived in the media you cannot let that be an excuse for excessive force and lethal force when it comes to you know enforcing the law you can't it can't be it can't be like that you know what I mean you got we we're we have a human right and a, and a constitutional right to due process and and to be treated equally so this disparity I mean I, I try to I touched on a lot you know from the disparity in, in, in the prison population to you know the, the lack of accountability that's reinforced by police unions to you know the idea that the fact that not all cops do this somehow you can gloss over it and try to just make these things a case by case basis instead of recognizing them for the for the epidemic that they are uh, you know nationwide so I mean for, it, it was just it wasn't very difficult to write at all unfortunately it all came quite naturally because you know as a son uh, you know I have to worry about it as a father I have to worry about it as a man I have to worry about it and as a black man I have to recognize the history of it and, and you know, recognize that we, you know, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go as far as getting justice in this country. Lyrics that a verse that kind of really stood out to me, um, and I really liked it because it kind of it shows that no matter who you are, it's or you know, no matter what you're doing, you can be polar opposites. Um, it could affect you as a as a black man, right? So the the, the verse is: um, if you're black, there's a target on your back, your front, your side. They'll blow down the front door. 
where you reside, air out your ride, whether hoopty or coopty, or coop, I'm sorry, your hoodie uh-huh. or your suit, your your ugly, ugly or your cute, cute, a dentist uh-huh. or a son, and it ends with um, hands up, wallet or screaming, don't shoot. Um, when, like you said, when police brutality is so prevalent and you spit lyrics like this that are obviously really personal, um, is this kind of a reminder to you why you started to rap? I mean, does the does the art form kind of help you make sense of these social issues? Um. Well, I mean, I grew up on Public Enemy and um, Rakim and BDP and Big Daddy King and artists like that and Slick Rick. And whether or not the artist was specifically putting out music to be socially conscious and and pro-black and, you know, revolutionary, or just putting out music to have fun, but also touching on those topics when the opportunity presented themselves, you know, that, that, you know, that era shaped my worldview and it had a profound effect on me as a man. And, you know, it was very much a part of my educational system, uh, uh, you know, my upbringing. So in that sense, I'm paying it forward because to make music like that and to get feedback from my fan base saying, you know, this song really touched me in a way or, you know, inspired me or taught me or gave me a different perspective or really galvanized and reinforced my own personal feelings. When I get that from my fan base, it means a lot because it means I'm doing for them what, you know, my favorite artist did for me. Mm. So... In that sense, yeah, but uh, I don't even know that that's necessarily why I started. You know, I'm not the kind of artist where every song is politically charged. You know, and part of the part of the reason for that is, as a fan, I prefer a well-rounded approach where you know and everything is not always business and everything is not always pleasure, but there's a mixture of the two because the music can do both, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. We're speaking with Jay live. His new album is his own self drops on March 31st. Uh, Jay, I want to kind of go into a track where and the, in uh, you, a track that I really appreciate because you, 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 I feel like this is what you do. What not one of the things you do best is that you, you always pay, like you just mentioned, you always pay homage to those before you. Uh-huh. Um, and the track is a Red and the Kid, which kind of pay, uh, which pays homage to the DJ and the important role the DJ played for your development as an artist uh, and as a person. Uh, it seems a lot of artists are coming out with records which are tributes to the DJs. To name a couple, there there's been a DJ JS One's uh, Turn the Tables featuring OC of DITC, uh, John Robinson uh-huh. and PVD featuring Sabam Sadiq and Alda Sensei. Uh, they dropped the record mm-hmm. called Vinyls Forever. Why do you think, why does it seem more artists are paying homage to the DJ now? And do you think the importance of the DJ is becoming more important now than it has been? I don't know if there's been a shift. Um, I can't really speak to the direction of the art as a whole. I can just say for myself, it's always been important to recognize a DJ. Not just because I DJ, but even as an MC, it always trips me out that, you know, hip hop, this music and this culture started, you know, with the dollar parties and, you know, the break beats and the sound systems 
the DJ was the primary, you know, the DJ was the guy. He was, mm-hmm. he was the front man. And the MC's job was to back up the DJ and host the party and let you know somebody's double parked or tell you somebody's mother came to get you and take you home or, <laughs> you know, just kind of keep things going. Right. And that's kind of how the rhymes evolved was just from hosting the party. So the fact that as it as it progressed into this commercial entity and this genre of music to where the poetry and the MC became the forefront, you can't forget the DJ. Right. And a lot of times, you know, I was actually just talking or or, or reading and exchanging with a with a, a friend of mine uh, who was my toy DJ for for a time and who DJ professionally, and he was saying he's not sure how much longer he wants to do this for a living. And someone said, well, you could always, you know, tour DJ. And he was like, you know, as cool as that can be, you know, all all of the praise goes to the MC. And the MCs don't necessarily focus enough on making sure the DJs are appreciated. And it's like, if the show goes great, all praise is due to the MC. If something happens on the show where it doesn't go great, then they're looking at the DJ like, oh, it's his fault. You know what I'm saying? So it's a sort of a thankless job. And just for me growing up, I mean, the song wasn't necessarily about bigging up the DJ as much as it was, it was kind of talking about just how I grew up and got into DJing. And uh, on a side note, just being that shy kid, that sort of awkward, you know, pudgy, out of out of place, not cool kid who, you know, since I wasn't dancing with all kinds of girls and whatnot at the party, I ended up just watching the DJ and learning that craft. And that's how I had my fun. And I ended up like, all right, if I'm not going to be, you know, break dancing or, or whining on the reggae, I'm just going to watch the DJ. And then it got like, it became something that I wanted to do, you know? So... And that, that, you know, that was that's kind of where I got my points as a kid. You know, I wasn't really nice at ball like that. Uh, so the fact that I could spit and the fact that I could spin, you know, kind of just that gave me my niche as far as uh, just uh, I don't even know necessarily popularity, but just uh, you know finding my way and, and being comfortable in my own skin and, and, and showing my friends, you know, what I was about. The, the final track on um, his own self, I think, is probably the ultimate um, tribute to the DJ. I think um, it's the greatest thing, uh, which uh. which is just an instrumental track. Uh, yeah. And I was waiting. I, I was like, I was like, one minute, I was like, all right, Jason spit, Jason spit something. <laughs> and, <laughs> I should have maybe put like instrumental in parentheses, but then I was like, no, it is what it is. Just right, right. We'll figure that out. So, <laughs> so, so why why do that? Why 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 just an instrumental track? Um, the song, the, I call it the greatest thing because it's uh, it's part of a quote. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Mm. And it's like I wanted a beat, you know, the beat kind of that's that's really where my heart was at when I made the beat and. As that kind of progressed, it was like, I I don't really need to put words to this. This is kind of what it is. And maybe maybe the words will come later, but I don't I didn't think the words would do justice to what I was trying to do at the time. So I left it as it is, and it felt good like that. 
and uh, you know, just kind of put a bow on the whole record. You know, so I, I left it alone. Uh, which track on his own self? I guess right now, uh, I could obviously change, right? But which track uh, best defines kind of your mission of the album? Um, my mission of the album. Okay, so my mission overall would probably be I Am a Man, mm. but the mission of the album would be uh, Be Still Peace, the the outro, because. That's kind of what I mean by his own self is not just necessarily, yeah, this is me doing everything on my own, but more like this is me looking inward at my own self. This is me taking stock and inventory of where I've come, how I've grown, you know? And, you know, it's important to do that sometimes just so you figure out where you want to go. So that verse on Be Still Peace, you know, it was... Uh, I'm I'm probably proudest of it. It's, uh, it meant a lot to me. As far as the message, um, I think I thought, I ended up for the because uh, you know they talk about Muhammad Ali said float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Mm-hmm. But then you know the Dow talks about the difference between doing and being. So I said, um, what does the butterfly float like? He don't know. Floating's not what he's trying to do. To just be, mm. you know. So. That kind of encompasses and, and surmises the whole record for me. No crowd, no play by play, no scorecard, simple, no belt. The winner gets the keys to the temple. And it's a rematch every day, in every way. Gotta show and prove, gotta stick and move, gotta bob and weave, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just breathe, conceive, believe, achieve. What the butterfly float like, he don't know. Floating's not what it's trying to do, it just be. Obviously, as you just mentioned, his own self kind of, I, I, I feel like it's brought you to a place where you, you're, you know, not just comfortable with yourself, but also as an artist, as a person, but also you're, 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 you, you know more about yourself. Um, but it, as mentioned, it's, this is your seventh albums, but so you've obviously had, as you mentioned, over 20 years of doing this, uh, for you, what? It could be this album, but which album do you think best defines your career thus far? Um, my career? Uh see, let me see. My career see, that's a tough question because how would I define my career? Um I guess you know, if you ask other people to define my career, they would probably use the best part because that's pretty much what set the course for everything. Being, you know, doing a major label record and then having to put it out independently, having all of these um, world-renowned producers on the album, um, and then having it be indie the way it was, but still kind of classic. So it's like... It's such a jam-packed production, but it's a classic, but it's still relatively obscure, you know? So an obscure classic might typify or or summarize my career. You know, like the people that know my music put me in their top 10, their top five MCs all time, but not enough people know my music for me to be considered a top five, top 10 MC. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? So maybe that. But personally, I would say around the time, just because that's the last record that I made, you know, like a typical J-Live record. And for me, that, that record, it, it encompasses everything that I put into the process from the beginning, and it also encompasses everything that I, I've, I've applied as far as how my style has developed and what I've learned. So, uh, yeah, I'd say around the sun. But I can understand if somebody said the best part of all of the above. Uh, the Great J Live, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tim Einekel on rapstation.com. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Follow the scene, pack. I tell you what, I pledge allegiance to the people, not the flag. The flag will never represent the people till we all considered equal in the eyes of the law. Rich or poor, officers kill blacks with no remorse. Then ask what we wishing for and wonder why the innocent ain't even stitching for him. You just as dangerous as criminals, so pick your poison. Part of the problem that refuses to relate. Turn the hood to a trap, very few can escape. Like the word that proceeds. Labor, but if it ain't the cops, it's somebody else's neighborhood. Watch as the money turns your block from hot to the new hot spot. Now it's someone else's neighborhood. Watch how police get along with them. The stormtroopers think the whole hood is truant, unless it's affluent. But even if you're fluent in the language of the law, with stacks of greenbacks, you can't reply. You'll buy out the fact if you're black, there's a target on your back, your front, your side. They blow down your front door where you reside. Air out your ride, whether hooky or coop. Your hoodie or your suit, your ugly or your cute. A dentist or a son with a scholarship to hoop. Colin Powell and Snoop. Hands on the steering wheel, thrown for a loop. Hands up, while the out, screaming, don't shoot. Without even so much as a oops. Arm to the teeth like troops. Fully automatic, patrolling the war zones that we call home. Unless I'm breaking the law, leave me to come alone. In America, uh, black people are uh, treated very much as uh, the Vietnamese people or any other colonized people because we're used, we're brutalized, the police in our community occupy uh, our uh, area, our community as a foreign troop occupies territory. And the police are there not to, uh, in our community, not to uh, promote our welfare or uh, for our security and our safety, but they're there to contain us, uh, to uh, brutalize us and murder us. You're gonna serve and protect a beat on a street that you don't even respect. Blaming the neglect on the neglected, confounding the cause for the affected. Children, women, and men subjected. Stop and frisk puts pride and lives at risk. Heartbeats on pause, if not stop. And probable cause is probably cause we black and y'all cops. No apologies, but apologists ain't not all police. Please, when you're treated less than human by a beast, it doesn't matter if it's the whole beast. To nothing but the beast if it's systemic pandemic and you don't even have a decency to condemn it it means like good constable if i was hiding behind the same shield i should feel responsible but when the black child of god is dead and you're dead wrong why you only able to respond defensive for beating the defenseless senseless when we mourn and protest pursuit is relentless but what about pursuit of justice what happened to the people versus when it's police versus people like us victims that Disgust with disdain and disgust, fear, hate, and distrust. 
Hard to win hearts and minds when you lose them and you break them at the same damn time. How many hearts and minds and bodies are confined just for being indicted of the same exact crimes? But can't afford the kind of defense that's unionized, weaponized, and never repents. The standards are doubled like sentences. Like what the 4th, 8th, and 13th Amendment is. Did you forget? Cause the facts don't add up to the stats. When the deck and the dice and the dealer is loaded and stacked. So when I say I am a black man or simply I am a man, you had me at black. The, the police in our community couldn't possibly be there uh, to uh, protect our property because we own no property. Uh, they uh, couldn't possibly be there to see that uh, we receive the due process of law for the simple reason that uh, the police themselves deny us the due process of law. And so it's very apparent that the police only in our community, uh, not for our security, but the security of the uh, business owners in the community, and also to see that uh, the status quo is they attacked the victim, and then the criminal who attacked the victim accuses the victim of attacking him. This is American justice. This is American democracy. And those of you who are familiar with it know that in America, democracy is hypocrisy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.